All right, friends, we got to decide if we want our police to be social workers or if we want them to be the police. Don't you think? It's funny how people are slowly converting to the idea that cops should be cops and go out there and kill the bad guys. You're listening to Sam Rajovsky here on What's Right. Uh, Friday, it's been a tough, long, emotional week. As we follow the events in Uvalde, Texas, and I, I know earlier today there was a press conference that the Texas Department of Public Safety Director Stephen McCraw kind of went through the timeline, and it really does not do much to feel confident that this uh, matter was handled appropriately. So I guess the first phone call came in, the 911 call came in from a little girl in room 112 at Robb Elementary at 12.03 local time. Now, if you remember, what we know is that roughly 12.45 local time is when the police finally entered the building. And that was a full hour, at least, uh, from the first sighting of the gunman as he was approaching the school. Uh, When he first came onto the campus, he passed a number of classrooms, firing toward the classrooms, was able to get in to a classroom through a door that was propped open by a teacher. We've learned about that. We know that there were multiple 911 calls that came from uh, different parties at the school. We know that an email went out throughout uh, the school to teachers that there was an active shooter. I have no idea why an email. That's baffling to me. But apparently there, there was an email that went out and... And it did alert some of the teachers to to lock down their classrooms. So uh, this, to me right now, uh, is starting to be really heart-wrenching on understanding how it is that there were 80 law enforcement officers outside the building that federal marshals showed up at one point and there are reports of them handcuffing parents. Now, not all these reports have been confirmed. If that is true, that is sick. It is absolutely sick. And and you're, well, I'll play for in a minute uh, the uh, account of a survivor from inside room 111 at Robb Elementary, and again, it's not her speaking. It's through a producer at CNN who was able to sit down with her and is recounting what this little girl uh, told her. It's it's absolutely mind-blowing. So what we know now is that the on-scene commander made the call on Tuesday to treat the situation uh, as a barricaded suspect instead of an active shooter. And the difference in the response is that you're not going in there and charging. If you've got a barricaded suspect, you're, you're uh, I guess, going to hold back and wait for backups and wait for people to, I guess, deliver the right equipment to ensure a clean breach of the area. Uh, but, but in fact, as that decision was being made, they were hearing shots. 
And the parents were distressed because they're, they're standing outside their children's school and they are hearing live shots. And they're pleading with the police on the scene. And you've, 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 got, a, you've got an officer there saying, or whoever was leading this effort, saying, no, 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 we've got a barricaded suspect and we're going to treat it that way. McCraw today, who gave the press briefing, uh, give, laying out a lot more details, this is the uh, director of the Texas Department of Public Safety, known in Texas as the DPS, Stephen McCraw. He said, of course, this was not the right decision. It was the wrong decision, period. Teacher propped the door open at 11.27 a.m., which is around the time that the 18-year-old gunman, we're not going to mention his name, crashed his car into a ditch near the elementary school and then took his stuff, took his gear, his weaponry, and made his way toward the campus. And the question, of course, that is most pressing is how many of those 19 children and two teachers could have survived if the police had acted faster? Now, the part that irks me here, friends, the part that just rankles me is that the left has to decide what they want. I'll tell you what I want. I want cops to be cops. I certainly understand that the police are given tremendous privileges under uh, the state constitutions in most states and under even the U.S. Constitution. They, 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 They do have a lot of power, and with that power comes great responsibility. And if you listen to the program and you know my position on this, you know as an attorney, I'm keenly aware of this, and I know that there are a few bad apples. There are bad police out there. But to me... I've always looked at that as a problem that is solvable and fixable. I've never looked at it as an, an, an endemic, systemic cancer. Remember that word, systemic? Systemic racism, right? Police departments who are systematically racist. And we heard that from, of course, the Black Lives Matter people and all of their sad, pathetic enablers in the media. I want policing to be great again. I want cops to have the respect of the community that they deserve and to not be painted, all of them, with the same brush that the bad among them certainly do deserve. And I say, I, I just, I, I, it, we are not, friends, going to get good police officers if we don't get back to, one, certainly appreciating them with pay. So, you know, cutting police funding is not the answer. I'll remind you again, Chris Murphy, the, the, the clown senator from Connecticut that cried on the floor of the Senate on Tuesday this week, cried when are we going to do something meanwhile this bozo two years ago is pushing a bill that would eliminate all federal funding to schools that provide police officers on campus it's astounding to me that you'd have such a short memory not think that somebody's going to call you on your bs 
So this this problem here is is broad, is certainly the cause to it. I think there's been a lead-up of 40 years. We've talked a lot about that this week. I will not focus on that today. But we certainly know that police, when trained, when good, prevent these things from happening or, or certainly can mitigate against these types of things happening. But we have to be willing to invest in our police, support our police, and, and once again understand that in, in some, to some extent, as we've, as we've gotten into the, <laughs> the, the inner workings of, for example, BLM, and we understand what a scam, what a total scam that whole movement is, they're all buying mansions in L.A. <laughs> Your donations, <laughs> going, to, go, going to living high on the hog, paying boyfriends and nieces and nephews to do no-show work, paying for vacations. And it's what I always say, these things, these, these movements, they're shakedown rackets. Al Sharpton is the king of the shakedown racket, using racism or cries of racism, I should say, to raise money. It's a business. And so it's high time that we turn this around and, and not, not pay, pay attention to it. Because it's time that cops be cops. All right, you're listening to The What's Right Show. Sam Rajovsky here. I will be back uh, in just a few moments. I want to get into this some more. This is astounding. By the way, there's one thing no one's talking about. No one's asking this question. I'm going to ask it in just a couple of minutes. Don't go anywhere. Accountability after an accident means more than just a settlement check. It means getting you back to 100%. We hold the insurance company accountable for what they owe you. Call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit SamAndAshLaw.com. Sense conservatism for our time, a dedicated Karen free zone. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajovsky here. Happy Friday. Great to have you with us today. Look, I'm going to just say it because no one else is. And I'm not saying this. I'm not asking this question because I think it's the right argument. I'm asking this question because I think it is just as dumb as the other big question that is being asked, and that's the one about guns. So we have, I'll start with that dumb question. We are being asked, what would, what would a world look like with no guns? If the shooter, if the D-bag in Uvalde, Texas, didn't have an AR, wouldn't we be in a better place? And I'm, I'm looking at this, this family tree, this dysfunctional family tree of the shooter, and, and look, no one in the media has asked this question. And I say this, again, as the son of immigrants who came to this country legally, uh, both of his parents are, from interviews, as best I can tell, Spanish-speaking. Did not want to answer questions in English. That's fine. No one has asked. If this, if the parents of the shooter are here in the country legally, 
And we're not allowed to ask that because, of course, it's tremendously politically incorrect. I'm asking it because I think all important questions should be asked, even if necessarily they're not material. And here's why I bring this up. Because, of course, <laughs> if, the, if, the, if the answer is, well, they weren't in the country legally, of course not, or, they, they, you know, whatever, but it's okay, you know, it's okay. Then the same way that you say, well, if it weren't for the gun, well, I could say, well, if it wasn't for the shooter, <laughs> if the kid wasn't here, if he had been born in Mexico or wherever else he came from, families from. But that argument, of course, is, is ridiculous, is absurd, because America ought to be the country where, legal or illegal, you come as an immigrant, and it is the best place on the planet to raise a child. It is not the country that medicates children for every problem. It is not the country that puts children in front of video game screens from a young age. It's not the country that finds it morally acceptable for young kids to play violent video games. It's not the country where children are abandoned by their fathers, where the nuclear family has been replaced with, I don't know, it takes a village to raise a child, quoting one aspiring presidential candidate. So these are, these are the things that to me are, are the, the, the problems and the, the issues. I guess people are making fun of Ted Cruz. Did you hear this? They're making fun of Ted Cruz because he got up and said, you know, it's the door. The door was open. The door, it's the door. And now they're making fun of him saying, if only we had more closed doors. It's the issue with doors. It's not the issue with the door. It's not the issue with the gun. It's not the issue with where the kid came from. The problem is deeper than this. And I, I swore I wasn't going to talk about this again today, but I have to. It's so important to talk about this. It's critical that we look inward from all of this. Because it's very easy to sit on Twitter and angry type out tweets about how the NRA is to blame or how it's people with guns to blame or how it's, I, you know, whatever it is. And it's equally as easy to say, well, if we had just closed the door, if we had just locked the door. And I... In the short term, I don't, you know, if we're, we're able to send $40 billion to Ukraine, then I suppose we could find some funding to secure our schools. Because in the short term, the problem, by the way, the problem is there's no easy fix. And any politician that tells you that there is, and that it's just inaction, that all of this could be solved if only these senators got together and voted on some stupid bill. It's that easy, folks. And the reason we buy into it is because it's the human psyche. We, we like fixes. We like solutions. We like, to, we like to take care of things. And we did this during COVID, did we not? We wanted a solution. So we locked everything down because we're so smart, aren't we? We know so much. Science would be the call of the, of the, of the, of the, of the bureaucrats and of the government types. And of all of their enablers that are among us that 
that want to be led, want to be made safe. They think it's fixable. So they, they wanted to fix COVID. Did they fix COVID? No. Look at the death rates. Look at the hospital. Look at, look at all the numbers. California versus Florida. I mean, it, it, it tells the story. But the byproduct of it, of course, was just compounding the problem that has been going on since the 1980s here in this country, and possibly even earlier. Yesterday on air, I mentioned that it wasn't that long ago in the 1970s that kids carried rifles, had rifles in their cars at school or even in their lockers because there were shooting clubs on campus. My wife, we were talking about it afterwards. My wife says to me, well, I, I know it wasn't even that long ago because she was telling me her brothers, and this is in Centerville, Utah, which is, I don't know, six, seven hours up the road. From, from us here in Las Vegas. They, her brothers would bring rifles, leave them in their car. They were allowed to do this because they would go hunting after school. Did anybody shoot up the school? No. Why? Well, guess what? You had intact families for, for all the things that, you know, I, I'm, I, you know I, I, I may not enjoy about organized religion, something... Mormons, the LDS people do very well is uh, create social fabric in the communities that are that are that are very religious and observant. They're scouting. Kids are in sports. Dads come home and have dinner with their families. Things like that. In no world would my brothers-in-law be allowed to play. If it existed, point of view shooter, you know, video games where they're killing people. I'm even just bewildered thinking about it, thinking about my mother-in-law allowing that to happen. Now with grandkids in the house, I mean, there's in no world would that be allowed. And it's not allowed in my house, and it's probably not allowed in yours. But, you know, the people that do allow it, the parents that don't want to deal with their kids that want to outsource parenting to a handful of gadgets, to the doctors that are prescribing these drugs, getting kids on dangerous, I mean, you know, these ADHD medications, we're not even talking about the serotonin inhibitors, but just ADHD meds, one common one is Adderall. It's, it's a methamphetamine. So you're, you're amping up kids, giving them amphetamines. I mean, it's unbelievable stuff. It's all because parents want their kid to be perfect and they want that result with the least amount of effort. And that is, when you really boil it down, that's the crux of it. We want it now. We want it now without any effort. We're the more plastic surgery, more perfection. But nobody wants to hit the gym or just find a way to feel good about themselves the way they are. And it is this, this is the problem. Literally guns in trucks and, and trunks, trucks and trunks, can I say that? I guess, yeah, trucks and trunks of cars at school when my, when my wife was little. Now, I, I, look, I grew up in California. I can confidently say that if I had brought a gun in my car, somebody found out about it, I would have been arrested. 
for sure. But Utah, friends, is a different planet. And 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 the fact is, again, it, it worked and it was there was never a problem. And forget mass shootings. There's all you know what else didn't happen? Again, I mean, there was no, there's no, there weren't any incidents of kids shooting them, you know, each other at the, in the parking lot over, you know, uh, over being, you know, jealousies or whatever. So it, this this idea, right, that it's the gun or it's some thing that we can control is completely absurd. Because the only thing we control in this is us, our home, our family, and it's high time we do better with that. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Sam Rajofsky here. I'll be back right after this. Don't go anywhere. Sam and Ash here with a What's Right PSA. If you've been hurt and a lawyer reaches out to you first, run the other way. It's unethical and honest lawyers don't do it. Don't let your lawyer choose you. If a tow truck driver, mechanic, or anyone at the ER tells you which injury lawyer to hire, chances are that person has a shady deal with the lawyer. Don't risk your future with a crooked lawyer. Choose the law firm you know you can trust. Call us 702-820-1234 or visit SamAndAshLaw.com. Okay, so the police response agreed that it was subpar. I think most people see that now. I would add one question to all of this. Doesn't this make it more necessary for us to have guns so we can protect ourselves from lunatics that come in and intend to do us harm? I think so. I certainly can't rely on the police to come save you. They're, in some cases, dilly-dallying while kids are getting shot for an hour. For an hour. Unbelievable. I think one of the most heart-wrenching accounts here actually came secondhand through CNN producer Nora Noyce, who spoke to Mia Cerillo. She's 11 years old, survived the massacre inside her classroom at Robb Elementary in Uvalde, Texas. This poor girl had to cover herself in a... This is hard. Covered herself in a dead classmate's blood to appear dead to the shooter. Bullet fragments all over her little body, back and shoulders. So this little girl... Uh, basically starts explaining to the CNN producer what happened to her when, you know, when, when the shooting began. And then she gets into the lack of police response. They ask her, the CNN gal asks her, what do you think, Mia, what do you think the police were doing at this time? Uh, here's her response. Again, this is not, these are not, it's not her voice. This is, relayed by a producer. Uh, Mia did not want to be on camera. Obviously, we understand that. And, and here's here's the account. She said she thought the police just hadn't gotten there yet, that somehow they just weren't there yet. And she said, you know, she'd been pretty stoic up until this point in the interview. Um, and this was actually when she started getting emotional and started crying. She said, I heard the grown-ups later say the police were outside and that they weren't coming in. And she got emotional talking to me about this and said, you know, I... Why weren't? Why didn't they come in? Why didn't they save us? Why? Why? The police were outside. Like, what, just she just like couldn't. It was clear in her eleven-old brain. I mean, in my brain, why they wouldn't come in and help and, and save her. It's awful. 
It's so simple, an 11-year-old gets it. You know, we have, you know, I'm hearing today, and and it's just not corroborated yet, so I'm not going to get too deep into it, but if the FBI ignored signs and reports the way that they did with the Buffalo shooter, you know, I'm going to say it again. The FBI is fantastic at chasing down race hoaxes, setting up fake kidnapping plots, and, and persecuting idiots who put their feet on Nancy Pelosi's desk. But man alive, could they actually do their jobs? I heard today 200 FBI agents are on the scene in Texas, in Uvalde. Doing what? I don't know. Too little, too late, boys. I would do to the FBI what I intend to do with Clark County School District here in town is I I just, you know, dismiss and start over. Literally fire every last person and rebuild that department from the ground up. The culture is rotten to its core. And when we have more information, we're going to get into this next week, so buckle up. Here's a father who lost his daughter, Annabelle, and his niece, Jacqueline Casares. Father's name is Jesse Rodriguez, also reacting to the reports that the police didn't do anything. He is saying what every one of us as parents would say and think in this situation. As a father, I would have I just went in. I don't need nobody to tell me to go in and defend armless children. Why wait? Take it upon your job, your officers of serving in the peace and protect us, protect our children. And one hour being in there too long, that's just too much. Should have been within minutes Within minutes, you imagine you're walking by your kid's school and you hear gunshots fired. I, I mean, you don't have a gun. You don't have any body armor. You don't have a police badge. What do you do? I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to run in there head first. I will, I, I, it's, it's instinct. But here you had some idiot on the scene make a, a stupid decision, and, 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 and it is what it is. And I keep returning back to this. Vilifying the police is not the answer. Making police the bad, bad people is not the answer. Actually, the exact opposite is the answer. We need to make policing great again in this country. We need to support our cops. We want, we want to make it a noble profession that young men and young women want to be in so that departments like Uvalde, Texas, like LAPD, LVMPD, Beverly Hills Police, Newport Beach Police can choose the best of the best. In fact, I'll give you that as a classic example. One of my best friends is a Beverly Hills police officer. And getting into that department's tough. Everybody wants to be in that department for two reasons. And if you think money is the first reason, you would be wrong. 
and I'm, it's actually, um, it actually almost makes me emotional to say this. The number one reason that law enforcement officers want to be at Be- a department like Beverly Hills PD is because the residents like their police and they support them. All of you that are bashing the cops, all of you out there that went out during the BLM protests and literally shot at Las Vegas deputies over something that happened on the other side of this country. All of you that did that, shame on you. And guess what? You did nothing to make your community better. In fact, what you did made your community worse. And those of us who know better, those of us who are smarter and more emotionally evolved, we need to take charge on this in our communities. It starts with pulling up, you see an officer and giving a wave, being friendly, being cooperative. Don't be a dumb A money money when you get pulled over, okay? And then the other part of this equation are the police. Build relationships with the community. Do outreach. Be friendly back. It's a ticket. You don't have to be a jerk, okay? Just give me the ticket. We need to rebuild this trust. So important. This, this is awful. Now, the, the other facet of this that I, I, I've, I've talked about a bit are, is parenting. And so I'm always curious getting into who the parents are of these shooters, of these mass murderers. There was a a story here that came out in the Daily Beast about the father of the 18-year-old gunman who killed 21 people in Uvalde, Texas. Salvador, I'm not going to use his last name, but that's the dad's name, said, I just want people to know I'm sorry for what my son did. I never expected my son to do something like that. He should have just killed me, you know, instead of doing something like that to someone. Well, listen, bub, too little too late because he did what he did because of you. Why was he, why was your son living with his grandmother and grandfather? What role did you fail to play in your son's life? Now, the mother is no special case of, of, of brilliance either. Speaking through, an interv- uh, through a translator, uh, she's talking about, she finally gave an interview that came out earlier today. This is with uh, CNN affiliate Televisa, Adriana Martinez, mother of the Uvalde, Texas elementary school shooter. Here's what she has to say. I have no words. I have no words to say. I don't know what he was thinking. He had his reasons for doing what he did. And please don't judge him. I only want the innocent children who died to forgive me. Okay. The reporter then asks, what do I tell their families? And here is what she says. Forgive me. Forgive my son. I know he had his reasons. I know he had... What? 
I know he had his reasons. I know he I know he had his reasons. Wow. Now when we come back, I'll share with you what those reasons are, according to Adriana Martinez. What a moron. You're listening to the What's Right show. Sam Rajovsky here. Hey, hang in there. I'll I'll get to this next part of the interview. You do not want to miss it. Back right after this. <laughs> Welcome back. You're listening to Sam Rajofsky, the What's Right show here on Newstalk 840 KXNT, the podcast. This is a must have. It is your 24-7 sanity lifeline. Just look up What's Right show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and make sure you subscribe. Uh, oftentimes we do an extra show on there, a special. We sit down for an interview, for example, Food Friday with John Curtis, right before the weekend, we get into food, uh, usually talking a lot about restaurants in Vegas, but also food in general and wine, those kind of things that get our mind off of politics. And then also have this week uh, Gerard Romalo, who's running for Secretary of State here in Nevada, tremendous guy. Talk, we spoke about the elections and how they need to be cleaned up, and he has ideas. And as Secretary of State, I have no doubt he would make it happen. So do subscribe to the podcast and follow us there because – Occasionally, there's stuff on there that uh, did not hit the airwaves and is not on air. Now, we were talking about, right before the break, uh, the mother of the school shooter in Uvalde, Texas, Adriana Martinez. Uh, the reporter asked her, so what do you tell their families? I know you're sorry, but what do you tell the families? And here she is responding uh, through an interpreter to that question. Forgive me. Forgive my son. I know he had his reasons. I know he had his reasons? Reasons? This is bananas. I know he had his reasons. So the, the reporter, of course, goes, what, for, for, uh, what? What reasons could he have? And here is what mom says. To get closer to those children, instead of paying attention to the other bad things, I have no words. I don't know. You know, look, I, I, there's a lot of talk right now about licensing people with guns, regulating people with guns. Man, I, I, I'm only kidding here, right? But we should be talking about regulating who can have kids. This lady is an idiot. This lady raised a killer. And you know what I see the common denominator among Kids, generally speaking, who are bad, not all of them, of course, homicidal maniacs, but just bad eggs. Well, okay, well, I'll, I'll tell you. I, 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 parents who make excuses for their kids. You know, when I went to school in, in uh, you know, elementary school, for example, and the teacher said, Sam, you've been bad today. And I had a, I had a really good friend who was abandoned by his parents and he lived with his grandparents and you know and he and I would get into trouble so this is a tale of two kids growing up in the same school in the same beautiful environment I mean I'm very lucky where I grew up and when I got in trouble 
oftentimes for the same exact thing that my buddy would get into trouble for. My parents would come home. I'd come home to my parents to, you know, whatever report or voicemail from, from the school. And my parents would beat the living daylights out of me. <laughs> it's very simple. I, I mean, I, I'd get a spanking and there would be accountability. And never was the conversation about, well, I don't know if that, te- is that teacher exaggerating? No, the teacher was always right. Now, the self-esteem movement was starting to creep in, and coupled with the fact that grandparents never have the same type of energy as parents do to discipline kids that they are entrusted with, (sighs) my friend would come home and, well, you know, maybe the teacher misunderstood you, and, oh, maybe, you know, maybe maybe you didn't mean it this way, And and I was so envious of him. I was so jealous of him. I wanted, you know, people to understand me and let me off the hook too. I thought I thought my buddy had it made in the shade. Well, he I've lost track of him because he's such a dumb idiot. I, I gave up on that friendship. And I, I keep friends, those of you who know me personally, you'll you'll attest to this. I, I keep friends oftentimes longer than I should. And I kept that friendship for twenty years plus, maybe twenty five five years and it and it ultimately was 10 years too long because all he did was make excuses for himself and smoke pot it's sad not a dumb guy by the way but upbringing matters see we we got into this whole notion that you know using corporal punishment and you know that's terrible and you're crushing the kid and uh I mean, I don't know. I, 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 that's the one thing that got through to me. I'm a boy. I'm a guy. I just, I was, I was extremely rambunctious, and I pushed as much as I could against authority. I am lucky that my parents disciplined me. They disciplined me though with love. They did it because they cared. They did. They didn't just discipline me. They disciplined me, and then they they labored over me. Kids need to feel that. This shooter is two moron parents who, who can't take care of him, send him off to grandma, and he repays grandma by shooting her in the face. And even, even grandma is asking for, you know, for prayers for, for her, you know, as, as doesn't understand where this came from. He was never violent. Oh, it just magically happened under our, our noses. I, I said this about the buffalo shooter, too. You telling me that he was turning into a vile, disgusting racist under the noses of his parents living in their home and they had no idea? What the literal frick is that? I can make no heads or tails of that. It's just baffling to me completely. Uh, I, 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 yeah, I have no words. So these, th- this to me now, I'm, we're starting to get a, a better picture of what was going on with these, with these parents and, and his family home life. And I, I strongly believe it has everything to do with it. Everything to go, uh, go everything to do with, with, with the outcome here. And so what can we do? Well, the, the, what can we do is not, that's not answered by Washington. It would be easy if it was, right? What can we do? We have to do something. Enough of the, you're in my thoughts, you're in my prayers. 
enough of moments of silence. And I'm, you know, I'm not, I, I, I actually agree with people who say that, but with their, the next thing that comes out of their mouth, this is, well, we need common sense gun control. <laughs> and I go, oh, okay, you want someone else to fix the problems that you're creating in your home with your kids. We now know that the gunman sent private messages about shooting his grandmother and going to the school. Earlier reports of him posting these messages publicly turns out were not true. He did not post publicly on Facebook, but he did have several private messages that went out to friends. Did they report him? Did their parents have a relationship with their children that would make it such that they would have a conversation at the dinner table? So what happened today? Ah, my buddy told me he's buying an AR and he's being cryptic and weird. I don't know. Maybe we need to sit down with our kids every day and talk to them. Maybe we'd find out what's going on in their lives. Just maybe a 10-minute conversation with your child might save your child's life. So to me, this entire cry, we've got to do something. Yes, we do. But we, you, me, us, not the losers in Washington. Forget them. All right, I got to go. I can't believe it's been a whole week here. It's been, it's been great to be with you. I, I really appreciate our time together. Have a wonderful weekend. Happy Memorial Day to all of our veterans. Thank you. We love you and honor you. This is What's Right with Sam Burjovsky. I'll be back on Tuesday. Thank you.